Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Horseman's University. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I've got Ryan Rose from Ryan Rose Horsemanship back here today, and we're going to be talking a little bit about common things that Ryan comes across when he's out doing clinics, training horses, helping and teaching people. I hope you enjoy. So yesterday we were talking about good ideas for different virtual clinics that we can do and help people and like what are the most common things that you see in training and you see in in doing clinics and helping people and teaching people. And one of the things that you had mentioned was emotions and dealing with not just an emotional horse, but also like as a rider dealing with emotions. And so it got me thinking and like an idea for a podcast in that, well, what's an example of something that really brings out those emotions and really brings out those difficulties that both the horse and rider can have. You had mentioned cantering, I think also, um, going on trail rides either with somebody or without. So, um, maybe you could, maybe, or how do you think about trail rides? How do you think about like first trail rides going out there? How do you build confidence as a rider, as a teacher for your riders and also with the horse? Yeah. So trail rides, I think are a little bit more of a mental block for people because people tend to ride in the arena more because there's some people that riding outside is where they're comfortable and riding in an arena is uncomfortable because mm-hmm. that's what they do. And if you think about just how horses work, they're more, they're usually they're more comfortable actually on a trail ride. Now, the reason they might get emotional is for reasons other than the fact that they're on a trail. It might be because the rider is typically holding them back or using circles all the time to slow them down. Mm-hmm. And on the trail, you don't have those you know, you don't want to do those options. It's not an f- enjoyable trail ride if you're holding your horse back the whole time. It's also not an enjoyable trail ride if you can't get them to just walk because they're going straight all the time or mostly straight. Um, and then they get emotional because it's, you know, you're not using all the bending and lateral work that we do in arenas to get them to calm down. In, in my opinion, in that particular instance, it was probably too much of a trail ride. Mm-hmm. We probably, I think a lot of people, they, they kind of just, they go from the horses in the arena or whatever, and then trail ride. Yeah. I think of it as like my arena, I strategically built it to where I can go from my arena out into our playground, which is like a much bigger space, but simulates a little bit of a, of a trail ride. Mm-hmm. So they're going to, they tend to get a little bit more <clears throat> up maybe out there than they would in the arena. Um, but it becomes, and then I can go from the playground into a pasture Again, kind of building on it, but a pasture is a lot easier to ride through than a trail because I can bend them and, and, and do things that, that are more training um, and helping them relax than I can on a trail ride where I cannot turn them. Yeah. Especially if I'm with a group of people that have a destination in mind that we right. have to get to this, this point. Right. So I try to build it in baby steps. And then even beyond that, like I'm really strategic about this because I think teaching a horse to ride on the trail nicely is like a maneuver you only have a a few times for it to be their first times going on a trail ride. If you've already taught them to get emotional and bothered on the trail, it's much harder to fix as an older horse learning to get quiet than a a horse that just doesn't know how they're going to react on a trail. So what I'm getting at is I have a place where I go to the horse first farm that has nicer trails built off of their property around the perimeter. So I can go and warm my horse up in the arena, get them calm and relaxed and then head out on a trail ride. Now, I, what, and the, the luxury that I have is I can go as far or as short as I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if the horse starts getting emotional, I might retreat and come back to the arena, go back to work in the arena, trotting and loping and bending and getting him supple there, and then head back out. So I can very much set it up as a maneuver. 
and there's there's even more layers to it, which yeah. is I will strategically bring, uh, like if I'm taking a green horse out, I'll take a nice solid horse that I know is going to be good on the trail with me. So that horse is going to feed off its confidence. So its first exposure to trail riding is around building their confidence um, and slow, and it's just really set up for success compared to just throwing them out on the trail and hoping it works out. Um, so Yeah, that's um, it's a really great great idea of, of taking a experienced horse out there definitely like with ranch camp and stuff sometimes you get those greener horses and you just put them on the tail of a more experienced horse and they kind of like oh okay <laughs> we don't have to freak out <laughs> yeah like okay things are things are going okay yeah so, so one of the things that um one of the things that you talk about a lot with getting a new horse in and and um checking them out is kind of like the pre-ride checks that you like to do before getting on a horse are there certain like pre-ride checks that you do before attempting to go out into an open area or is it kind of like you you just measure you know measure where the horse is at yeah so w- one more thing to add on the just trail riding idea uh, most of us would realize it's harder to ride one horse all by themselves on a trail than it is to go with the, the buddy horse <clears throat> and because we know that's hard i think some people want to jump right to that but it's like start off with the buddy horse and just give them a few good experiences trail riding before you go out by yourself. Mm-hmm. And then go out when you go by yourself for the first time, go on a trail that's already a known trail, you know, maybe not a brand new trail. Um, and it's just, I think it boils down to a little bit of discipline about taking the time to set it up. It's like if your horse doesn't trailer load that well, don't wait till you have to trailer load them to haul to the clinic or to the vet or to the wherever. Um, practice when you don't have to go anywhere because our, our bodies are going to be much more relaxed and calm when, when we're in a get to situation compared to a got to situation. Yeah. So before I take a horse out on the trail, I make sure I can walk trot for sure. Maybe even canter on a loose rein and have the horse stay fairly calm. Cantering is a lot more of an emotional gait than walking and trotting is. That's why I say maybe, or maybe not cantering, um, because if the horse feels pretty calm anyways, I think walk and trot might do it. And then the next thing, I'm going to ride them through my obstacle course. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to an area that's like outside of the arena, but, not, but still a somewhat controlled area in that environment versus like hauling them to a new trail. You know, that, that in itself is a difficult thing. If you have trails right off your house, that's fantastic. Uh, but I would, I would like to check them out through my obstacles. The reason I check them on the obstacles is I like to see how that horse pays attention to its feet and where it's going. Um, we're here in Wisconsin. We don't have that many really difficult trails, uh, but I've been on some trails in Texas and in Colorado where they're like legit dangerous trails. If your horse is not paying attention to where they're putting their feet, cause you got a cliff on the other side of you mm-hmm. or you got a steep enough up or downhill that if they got sideways, um, and they started to roll that, you know, that would be a, a bad deal. Yeah. So what do you do in those situations? Like, let's say that you're you know, you're out on the trail. It's a really narrow trail. There's not much off to your left or right, even if it's like through the woods with heavy brush. Like, how do you, how do you handle a situation where your horse is getting emotional or you're getting emotional and your horse spooks at something, you know, that the typical thing is, you know, what you're teaching, it's going, bending around with one rein and turn them yeah. around, do some, do some moves in that way, disengage the hindquarters. If there's not room to do that, where do you go to? Yeah. So there, there are times Again, I try to be prepared so that the horse is prepared ahead of time. That's the first thing. But after that, there's going to be situations where you have to manage them. Mm -hmm. You have to pick up your reins. You have to keep them right where you want them to be and just manage the situation so that everybody's safe. 
through it. And that's okay. But you, you, what you, well, my rule of thumb is if I'm managing them more than 80% of the time, mm-hmm. that to me was probably not a successful trail ride. Yeah. Meaning I probably did not help my horse get more comfortable out there. I just kind of lived <laughs> through the experience. Is that kind of like the point where you might advise somebody to get off and like, at what point is that? Like, okay, let's, exactly. let's, get, let's do this from the ground. Yeah. Get relaxed and then, you know, try it again. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's either like get off and don't teach them to get that bothered with you on them mm-hmm. on that trail or make sure it's safe, safe for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying it more from the horse training perspective, cause I'm not going to be that bothered. Uh, but if the horse is getting emotional, even though I'm not afraid, I'm going to get off because yeah. I don't want to teach that horse to do something and be that afraid. I'm going to be putting bad layers of training in there yeah. while I'm sitting on them. You know, if you're on a, if you're if we're talking about the rider not being that confident, well, for sure they should get off if they're if they're not feeling very safe mm-hmm. up there. It, it, there's it, there's this like uh, I don't know, is it stigma or this this thing about getting off your horse means you lost right. or you failed. It's like, a pride it's like thing. <laughs> yeah, that's just so ego driven, and and that's the old kind of old adage of just like well get backed off get back on that horse you know yeah and it's like well those let's let's get off and not get bucked off to begin with and once you've done once you've been bucked off then you know like (laughs) oh i don't want to do that but i think you know the the ego comes more from people that haven't experienced that once you've experienced that you're like okay i'm gonna listen to that from now on yeah i remember i think it was the first time that i was in texas with you i was riding that little quarter horse mare millie Yep. <clears throat> and we were going kind of on actually one of the first rides was just heading out and, and uh, you were picking kind of the path through the, you know, through the back country and in Texas. And this particular point was really a very steep downhill. And my horse was really getting emotional about it. And I think it was a little bit because she wasn't sure of her footing, but a little bit also too that like the saddle was starting to slip forward and she was starting to get uncomfortable. And it was like, okay, it's time to get off here. Like it's not, it's not a situation where it's like, well, if I don't stay on this horse, then I've failed miserably and people are going to laugh at me. And it's like this whole, you know, thing. It's like, well, also I don't want her to explode over this Canyon and, (laughs) you know, turn into a situation where you can't get off and you can't like, you can't make it a safer situation for you and a better experience for the horse. So, <clears throat> so you're saying you did get off? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And see, you're, this is one of the things I really like about you. You're very comfortable in general. And what I mean by that is you're not worried about what other people think if you get off. So you're just like, I'm going to get off. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of people are less self-confident, you know, or and that they're more likely to have that ego problem of either I feel like I failed or I feel like I'm going to get made fun of if I, if I get off. You know, because we're out there, the environment that you're talking about, we're out there in cowboy country. Right. You know, like it's very much not the cowboy thing to do to just go ahead and get off and walk <laughs> your horse down the hill because it was, it was steep. But you, you didn't have any issue doing that. And I would never, I would be giving somebody else a hard time for making fun of somebody for getting off. Yeah. Um, but again, a lot of people, you know, it's the, it's the cowboy, not the cowboy thing to do, but that's our ego. You know, we got to be able to let that go. Yeah. I think it's, it's just a big, you know, it's a learning experience. Like certainly in, in that particular case, I had never been in that wide of an, of an open thing. And, and the trail that we were on was pretty tough. And like looking at the options, it's like, well, you've got pride <laughs> and then you've got getting off of your horse and then you've got spilling down this canyon head over heels, you know, like you can weigh those options pretty quickly. And <laughs> like, especially when like you have to make the decision, 
because the horse is getting yeah. like it's only going backwards like you're not making any progress in that instance yeah you know? well, the other scenario could be i'm sitting at the bottom going come on let's go keep <laughs> yeah. up and, yeah, and, and i might not realize that that person is feeling that way about that yeah so i would like to make another point that if if it's me or if it's your instructor somebody anybody your friend your, your mm-hmm. spouse telling you to do something that you're like, I, if, you know, cause we have this self-preservation instinct that's telling us this ain't right. Right. And if you don't feel right about it, you're going to put that into your horse. Horses are super perceptive to how we feel on top of them. Mm-hmm. And if you feel a little tense, you might not think you're tensing in your legs or you're tensing in your butt cheeks, yeah. but your horse knows if you are or not. And so if you know you are, doesn't matter if somebody else is, is hustling you to, to do it. If you were really at that point, you need to, to, to listen to yourself, not what somebody else is saying. Personal responsibility yeah. right there. It reminds me of another time in Texas, and Richard was there, and he was riding behind me, and I, I can't remember what horse I was riding. I think I was riding Jasper, actually. And uh, I had forgotten my spurs, and I think I was actually using Eugenie's spurs or something, which were cheater spurs. They were pointed in. And um, <clears throat> not equipment that I was super familiar with and my legs were a little bit floppy and so I'm talking to Richard I'm like man Jasper just keeps getting emotional and he's just like well keep spurring him because <laughs> you know every time that I was sitting down on the horse he was just getting a little bit of a you know a little bit of touch with the spur so I think being mindful about about equipment is important too but yeah well then I mean if he was saying that he was probably recognizing that the horse needed leadership from you yeah and giving helping him feel more comfortable and so that like if the rider does feel comfortable sometimes that's a training opportunity yeah where the horse is getting a little bothered yeah i I think it was more me like unknowingly was spurring him like every time i was was posting or something yeah he was saying it very sarcastically (laughs) and i asked him to clarify i'm like what do you mean spur him (laughs) (laughs) it's like well i think every time you're sitting down you're yeah you're giving him a little bit of the steel and i'm like oh oh At yeah. that point, I'm like, okay. I had not been used to wearing the spurs that with the uh, shanks that turn in like that. It's yeah. <laughs> well, not – yeah, I mean, you also kind of have short legs. Yeah. And so, every, so they're right at spur <laughs> level, right? Yeah, it does, it's not very long to hit the – No, hit you don't the, have to He's got really long yeah, legs, yeah. and so he's got his legs got to travel a long ways to actually right. contact. Right. Some, so some people with shorter legs don't realize that they're, they're touching their horse yep. with their spurs all the time if their toes are turned out a little bit. Shorter legs and, you know, Jasper in a, a, a bit bigger barrel and, you know, the combination <laughs> of the two, there was, yeah doesn't take much to make contact. Yeah, it, it happens. And a lot of people don't realize that they're, they're doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now I'm very conscious of it. <laughs> like, okay, straighten the legs out. <laughs> don't put any contact on. I'm sure I still mess up. But um, so that brings up an interesting thought and question of like, when you're on a trail ride, are there things that you see in like the horse that make you think, okay, we're approaching, like we're relaxed, like things are, you know, like they're a little bit bothered and then they kind of let down in a way. Like, what are you looking for in that horse to where you're feeling much more comfortable about their state? state Yeah. For me, the two (laughs) real obvious ones are going to be their impulsion level, how much go and woe they have, how quickly they're moving. So you could have a horse that's walking but running off with you like they're walking, but they're really rushing the walk. And that shows you kind of how bothered they are. Like they're not listening to your, like you're trying to slow them down. So they don't have to trot or canter or spook in order to be kind of getting out of control. 
And so if they will start to walk slower and stay with the rider's seat and tempo that the rider's setting versus taking over and just speeding up at the walk, even if it's just a walk. Um, so, so maintaining their speed well. And then the next one would be the, the, where their head is at. You know, when a horse gets more concerned or alert, their head gets higher and a little more tense and they're, they're looking around, they're spinning, their brain is really thinking about danger, looking for danger. And so when they start to drop their head and they, they kind of de-escalate there and their mindset goes into more of what we'd call an automatic in behavior, which is a good mindset if you're on a safe trail that's, they don't really have to be paying attention to where their feet are. Um, and they're, they're, it's kind of the state of mind that they would graze in, they would be eating in and basically they're just very relaxed and just walking down the trail. Now, if I'm on a trail that they really need to pay attention, I want them to be a little more alert than that. You know, I want them to be more focused. But if we're, if we're just walking down a safe pathway, mm-hmm. you know, I just really want them to level, lower their head down and just settle and um, feel their tempo yeah. s- settle into a nice, nice quiet gait. Yeah. Which, which <clears throat> the, the point I'd like to make there is a lot of times you can prevent the horse from getting too wound up. So the more wound up the horse gets, the more hormones their bodies produce, stress hormones they're producing, adrenaline, cortisol, and they just get, they get all wound up. And so my policy is no free spooks. Mm-hmm. So if, if they just get a little bit flinchy or spooky, I'm going to bend them around and do, and do something about it and say, hey, you're being more worried than you need to be. Focus on the feel I'm offering you, not what the environment is, is telling you to do. Not just on a trail ride, too. You're saying like anytime. Anytime. Yeah, yeah anytime. Um, and that just helps them. It, it, you, you would think of it, it's like if a horse spooks and then a person sees me bend them around and get after them a little bit and disengage the hindquarters and then ask them to settle. You might say to yourself, or I might even say to somebody, well, I'm teaching them not to spook, but I'm not directly teaching them not to spook. It's not because they spooked and they learned, oh, pressure is going to come on if I spook. It's more like they learn that that mindset that they're in of spooking is a, a little uncomfortable. And then it feels more comfortable to be in a, a reduced mindset where they're more in like automatic in behavior or curious that there's no pressure coming on. So it's, it's a, actually more of an indirect thing of teaching them to not escalate to that high to where they feel like they need to spook. Mm-hmm. Now, a few, couple of weeks ago, I was at ranch camp and I had a hog, like a huge, like 400 pound hog. I was just riding along and I actually was twisted around in the saddle and I'm looking back to see the line of the guys behind me. Mm-hmm. And right as I did that, um, and I, and I actually grabbed the horn, the saddle horn with my left hand to like pull myself around. And as I did that, a hog jumped up out of this brush, like right underneath me, as close as we're sitting to each other, <laughs> jumps out, which is six feet apart, mind you. <laughs> and the, the hog jumps out from, and I'll let you guys listening determine how close or far we're actually sitting. Um, the hog jumps out and takes off running. And my horse like just launches sideways 10 feet. I mean, went for it. And I probably would have fell off normally, but I was already holding on to the horn as I turned around. But man, it kind of wrenched my back. And what I'm getting at, though, is I didn't really get after her for doing that. I was kind of just glad I stayed on. And she, I would have jumped, too, if that beast jumped out from underneath my feet. Right. Yeah. You know, I would have spooked if I had seen it as much as she did. So she had a kind of a justifiable reason there. So I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, be a, be a stickler on this where just they're always, you're always getting after them for spooking. I'm saying if they're making something up, they're spooking and there's nothing there and you're just in an arena or you're there's just nothing that happened and they're just acting like a prey animal. It's not so much about the spook. It's about you noticing, oh, that behavior means that mindset was a prey animal mindset and I'm going to make that uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think and that's more where it comes from, more so than 
they're spooking, so I'm getting after them, and they're learning. Don't spook. It's it's more like don't get into that mindset. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about getting to that back to that relaxed state? I mean, you mentioned disengaging the hindquarters. Are you just disengaging them? Are you disengaging them and then waiting for a moment that you see? I'm disengaging them until it was disengaging is like a strong pattern interrupt. So that's what I'm doing. I'm interrupting their thought pattern of escalating to spooking, which leads to running, bucking, you know, mm-hmm. bucking, rearing, you know, bolting, that kind of thing. So I'm interrupting the pattern saying that mindset is not, is not going to be fun. And by disengaging them, that move of their hindquarters yielding helps them to think about slowing down and settling. And so it's not enough to just move their hindquarters. You have to move their hindquarters until their mindset starts to come down, until their feet get slower, until their head starts to lower down, until their, their muscles soften, mm-hmm. you know, the energy is slower. And then I actually teach them a relaxed cue by lifting my reins up in the air until their head drops down. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I, I practice this when things are going well in the arena before I put them in a situation that might be harder, mm-hmm. um, like riding across an open field or driving cattle or whatever, so that I'm prepared in those situations. Yeah, I think we made a, a video on, on some of these uh, moves and some of these um, different things that we're talking about that's on the Horseman's U library. One of them, I think, was down at, at Jake's place was building confidence and getting into bigger spaces and, like, how to go from, if you're comfortable in an arena, just kind of, like, approach and retreat the, the open spaces and, and using methods like that, what you're describing, disengaging hindquarters until they relax. I feel like that's kind of the key. But Yeah. <clears throat> so are there, are there things that, um, kind of switching gears, like, for, for tack, are there certain things, like, for horses that, you know, you're just, you know, the history of this horse has been in the arena, been ridden in the arena, hasn't really been out in open spaces. Is there like a go-to uh, set attack that you that you go with, like a snaffle or a bosal or just the, you know? Yeah. So, uh, uh, something that can help you bend the horse laterally is going to be safer. So. A, a bridle, a bigger bridle, you know, with a leverage bit, with a chin strap, that might be more like mental pressure, but a horse can, you know, bridle up and <laughs> run off as fast as they can run with yeah. the, their loose rein. So being able to reach down and bend the horse laterally is what ultimately a rider would have a chance of controlling them in a really oh no situation where that horse is really going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but better than all that would be just getting off if you notice it happening. So the the knowledge and experience to go this situation is escalating and I need to get off is the best. But I typically would ride a green horse in a snaffle bit or something that I can bend them laterally. I'm avoiding saying a bosal just because the bosal, the, the reins are tied at the bottom of where the heel knot and they can, they can flex up vertically a lot with their, even though you're trying to bend them with one rein. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that a bosal is the best choice. It's really, my halters have a ring on the bottom and that slides. So I, I would actually choose that over even a stiffer bosal that might have a little more feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall it's preparation, making sure you're, you, the rider knows to bend the horse laterally and practice it, mm-hmm. practice it. You don't know, like, I, I can't tell you, I've lost track of how many one rein bendings I've done. I do it all the time, so I've done millions of them. If, if a rider has not taken the time to practice r- lifting with one hand, sliding the other hand down, and bending that horse, if they're not like second nature, muscle memory to do that, it's not going to work for you if the horse is really taken off or freaking out, whether you're on a trail or you're in an arena. And so if you haven't taken the time to practice that, practice that. And I, I, would, I would guess that it takes... 
for it to be muscle memory, where it's instinctive for you to do that move, the the one rain stop. <clears throat> and and well, so let me say this first. I think it would take you about a thousand times, and that's going to take you. I think you could practice about a hundred one rain stops in about half an hour. So you can do the math on that. Figure out how many you know. It's it's what five hours. Mm-hmm. Five hours to get to get to a thousand. Yeah. Math. So. Don't, I don't, don't do, do math, math in public. Math in public. <laughs> um, anyways, it's, it's a worthwhile thing. Yes, it's going to take you a little time, but practice that. If you haven't done that, I encourage everybody, go practice that. The second thing is there are, there are a, there's a group of people out there teaching, don't do one rain stops. You're going to flip your horse over. You're going to bend them down. They're going to fall over. It's too much. And they're right. If your plan is, I'm going to let the horse run off, and then I'm going to try to stop him. Mm-hmm. It's more like... The idea is to get there quickly before the, it, the situation has escalated into the horses running off. The idea is to catch them as they're about to take off. Yeah, t- Once they're timing. taking off, it's true that if, you, <laughs> if you're strong enough to actually bend them, you could you know, flip them over, bend them down, um, cause them to fall over. It might be too much pressure. So, so if they're at that point where they've already taken off. Well, then you want to ease into it say, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're... You're uh, up a creek. Yeah. <laughs> let's, not get, let's not get to that point. Yeah. So be mindful of, of where your horse is at. Yeah, which, which is the whole point of the preparation that we're talking about. Yeah. Craig, Craig Johnson has a saying of, I'd rather be prepared than lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that saying. You know, it's so true. Yeah, ounce of uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah, all and all those stuff. other good ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good mantras to have. Yep. Do you ever... Um, like in your training and stuff, like you have a lot of obstacles in the playground. And does that kind of translate to trail riding at all? Like putting them in situations where they're uncomfortable to work through that? Is that like, is that also good? Like it may not necessarily be on a trail, but you know, you're putting them in a situation where they're required to think through something. Is that something that you incorporate with? Oh yeah. I feel like it's fairly universally believed that obstacles are good for horses and help Mm -hmm. horses. I I don't think I've ever heard somebody say, oh, I don't think obstacles are good for horses. And the the reason is it puts their body in different situations. You know, if you take a horse that's only been in an arena, a flat arena, and then you put them on a trail that has a little uphill or downhill feel to it, um, they could buck. They could feel that saddle in a different position. They could feel their scapula rotating back in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're thinking about how they're navigating that obstacle when you're practicing, if you set it up right anyway, if you don't just force them over it. Yeah. Um, and so when I first introduce a horse to an obstacle, I'm teaching them, here's something scary. Your job is to go up and get curious about it. Mm-hmm. That's their first job. Their next job is to then now touch it with their feet. So, yeah. so paw at it, put your feet on it, and tr- give it a try. And then the third level is, you know, so this is over like maybe a month or a couple months of riding. Like now the third level I get to is like, okay, you might be a little afraid of this, but I'm going to ask you to go for it anyways. And trust me that Mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. And any, any of those scenarios is preparing a horse to cross a Creek, cross a bridge that they might come to, um, cross a log or some brush that they need to get through. You know, if if your horse has never been in that, in an arena or wherever you're riding, you're going to. You, you would hate to find out five miles in right. that your horse refuses to cross this thing and you can't make it to your destination. <laughs> yeah. I know of a, uh, some of my students in, in the Dakotas, they, um, they went on a trail ride and you know, they leave in the morning. Well, I don't know what time it was. Let's say at nine o'clock. Well, then a storm is happening further north of them. And so they cross a Creek early in the morning 
and they ride, they have lunch, and they ride back in the afternoon. And by the time they get back in the afternoon, there's a little creek they oh, cross no. is now a river, oh, no. like a full-on river. Yeah. And their trailers are like a little ways on the other side of the river. Right. So they got a choice, wait it out until it dies back down or, okay, the horses, let's go. Yep. You know, And um, they were able to get their horses across. I think a couple people... I don't know how they did it, but I remember a, horse, a couple of horses got ponied across or whatever, but mm-hmm. they got them across and they were able to get it done. But that was a situation where like they had, there was more of a, what do they call it? Got to, you know, like right. sometimes on trails you can choose to take this harder route or you can choose to take an easier route. They didn't have a choice. They, they had to go across this river and yeah. um, they, so, they were able to get it done. I mean, that's a good, these are all good things to do with really any age of horse. Like you can do it with, uh, with your, saddle horses your older finished horses and you can also do it with younger horses like colts you have a colt start coming up in utah yeah is this some of the stuff that you're going to be doing there yeah that's the whole <laughs> idea I, th- I think you know a lot of people i have the idea of don't ride those colts in the arena too much and get them thinking this is the only place we ride you know it's like once you once you get a little handle on them it's good to ride them out of the arena right away and the interesting thing is you, there's this this colt start ideas like there's this moment in time where you're you're pitching a lot of new things to that horse. And so because there's so many new things, it's like nothing's new. And so you can ride them in the arena a few times and then it's like riding them outside, lets them know, hey, we do this too. You know, they don't get sour to the arena where it's like that same horse, if you rode it in the arena for the next three months, might do worse on the trail than it would that week of of first getting started. Yeah. Um, So that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, a lot of those horses will probably have some experience with obstacles and stuff. Um, they will have already had a yeah, little bit like of on the ground. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're, we're, we're going there to start them. It's not a Mustang taming and then see if we can ride them right. at the end. It's this like is horses green, that are a little bit in a good frame of mind that are ready, ready to be started <laughs> on, under saddle. And so, yeah, that'll, that's going to be a lot of fun. When is and, that? And interestingly, that's in, it's in Kanab, Utah. It's the end of March, March 29th, I think through April 9th. Okay. It's two weeks long. And, uh, so, you know, maybe... I think it ends up being uh, 12 days of uh, working with the horses. And we're in, like, some of the most beautiful country you've ever seen. I mean, it's right where all the national parks are, like, um, what is it, like Angel's Landing, and mm-hmm. I'm going to get these wrong, but it's right by the Grand Canyon and <laughs> yeah. uh, Bryce Canyon and all these different places that are just known, the arches, all these places that are known for being just really spectacular. And uh, the, where Best Friends is located is just right in a canyon, and it's just beautiful through there. So we wouldn't even have to leave the property to see just some really, really beautiful trails and things. So anybody that's interested in coming out there, uh, make sure you hit us up. I think we have three or four spaces left open on that. Um, and they just need to send me a, you know, a lot of people are asking, like, what are the requirements of it? And it's basically, um, you have to have some experience, you know, with horses already going into it. It can't be mm-hmm. brand, brand new. Um, you have to be a confident rider, you know, to start with, meaning you can trot and canter a horse confidently and, and have your seat for that because on a green horse that you're starting, they're not going to ride perfectly. They're going to make some mistakes. And I need riders that are, um, I don't need you to be able to ride a bucking horse to do this. That's the, not the idea, but you need to be confident in your seat. Um, and then have some experience and just eager to learn, ready yeah. to learn, learn how to set it up. And <clears throat> the other cool part is these are going to be horses that were taking it, taken in from the rescue. Mm-hmm. So these are horses that have a have a past you know have, have a past of something some things that happened in there and um, now we're going to be giving them a future and so by getting them started under saddle we're adding value to these horses that are going to make them much more likely to be adopted similar to what we do in the mustang taming yeah so That's i'm awesome. just really big on that theme of of putting value into horses and keeping them from ever being in a in a 
rescue situation, you know. Right. Yeah, so these horses are already huge. there. Like, yeah. So now we can really make a big impact. So it's not only a good thing for you to learn about your horsemanship, but you're going to be doing a lot for these horses. And so, so if there's if there's somebody out there that's like, I mean, this sounds like a really awesome opportunity. It sounds like, I mean, colt starting is kind of like it's held like in a in a, you know, it's it's its own deal and it's really amazing. But if there's anybody out there that's maybe, well, I don't know if I you know, if I qualify, if I'm like ready to do something like that, can they reach out to you and kind of evaluate oh, their, yeah, absolutely. evaluate where they're at and, and you can kind of help them through that? Yep. Hit okay. me up on Facebook Messenger or get my, get my number, email address. Okay. And for enrolling in it, are you doing the, are you doing the enrollment or do you have a, is um, Cheryl working through that or? So they'll, they'll work with me to <laughs> get qualified to, to be in it. And then once they're like, yep, we're, we're going to do this, okay. um, they would put a, a deposit down for it. And then Cheryl can help them figure out logistics of, um, we're already working with the folks at Best Friends, uh, Jen Reed and uh, the horse department there for uh, logistics of where they're going to stay and food situation and, and, and all that. So we're going to have it all worked out. It'll be easy for everybody and. Um, so yeah, they'll start off with me and then they'll, they'll get signed up and all the logistics planned with Cheryl. Awesome. That's really cool. Anyway, yeah, it's our first time doing it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And some of you may not know, but cult starting is kind of like what I originally was known for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won several cult starting competitions and I've started well over a thousand horses. I think I'm over 1100 now. Um, that's a lot of experience, you know, and I don't, I don't do as many training of outside horses anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm teaching a lot and stuff like that. Um, this is a fun way to kind of share share that experience and those skills with with other people and teach the next generation, you know, yeah. of, of uh, people to start colts. There's so much too with with information like that, like taking it back and applying it to situations like with your own personal horse or with you know if there's other people that you're helping with their horses, getting to see it and learn it from somebody like Ryan. Um, <clears throat> in a first like first learning situation not fixing problems necessarily where the, the the thought process is a little bit more not convoluted but it's a little bit sometimes it can be a little bit more of a challenge but learning cult starting kind of from the ground up and that foundation so you can kind of see where a lot of those problem solving things come from and the patterns that you put in there and everything that's that's a really great opportunity yeah so yeah, it's so much fun because it's their first time. That's what makes it really fun. Right. It's yep. like we have an opportunity there to make it a really great first experience. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a lot of ways to set that up. And, and it doesn't guarantee that everything's going to go perfectly, but it gives the horse a way better chance mm-hmm. of everything working out working out nicely. And What's the goal, like, at the end of two weeks? Like, where do you hope to be with the horses? You know, I don't know where the horses are to start with. Yeah. So um, I know that they have trainers there that are probably handling them and, and putting them prepared. So if we can... If we're able to start riding them within the first week, then then we'll be trail riding them and doing all kinds of things mm-hmm. by the second week. If the horses don't have that much experience on the ground, then we'll spend the first week preparing them on the ground, yeah, and then we'll be focusing on riding them okay. in the end. But I don't like to. Um, I like to work with the horse where they're at, so I don't like to really project exactly where where they're going to be at. You know, I have some mm-hmm. baseline goals, and again, same thing for that Mustang taming course that we do. It's like the goal is by the end that they trailer load, they can handle their feet and stuff. But at the end of the day, some of the horses were riding them. Some, you know, some were teaching them some tricks like bowing and mm-hmm. different things. Shout out to Debbie Adcock for, you know, <laughs> she's always teaching those horses some cool things that makes them more adoptable. So we'll take them as far as they're ready to go. But at the same time, we're going to work with them where they're at when we start with. Yeah. Yep. 
All right. <clears throat> I think that's about all the time that we have for today. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this podcast. Yeah, Looking forward absolutely. to doing more. It's a blast. Um, one more thing about trail riding that I was kind of thinking about uh, before. Ryan and I are both hunters up here in Wisconsin. Uh, if you are going out hunting uh, in the next, I mean, right now we've got bow season that's going on for deer, but also gun season is starting next week. <clears throat> Be sure to at least wear like a blaze orange cap or something like that and just stay safe on the trails. Um, you know, or just not just, or just, or just, just two don't, weeks yeah. long, just wait. Yeah. Or, or just, just yeah. put it off and, and, uh, it's wait until it. it's over. Um, but if you do, if you have a big trip planned or something like that, wear some blaze, um, you know, blaze vest or jacket, at least a hat or something like that, just so you're visible. Um, and then also, also be aware of, of boundaries in public land and stuff like that. There's some apps out there that'll tell you, uh, where exactly the trails are or um, where public hunting areas are. If you go, um, there's an app called Onyx Hunt. Uh, it'll, it'll tell you what acreage is available for public hunting and, and maybe just uh, avoid those areas so that yeah, definitely. Uh, you stay safe with that. So, All right, sounds good. Well, I'm looking forward to the next one with you. Yeah, also, I had an idea for the next one. I, I have a lot of people ask me questions on a regular basis about different situations coming mm-hmm. up, and I thought instead of me just answering that one question and then that person knows the answer, yeah. I thought it might be fun to read the question um, in a podcast and then answer the question. So if uh, those of you listening to this one, if you're interested in, in doing a, hearing a Q&A kind of pod, format podcast, um, send us those questions and let us know what you want to he- hear us discuss and talk about, and uh, that'll be yeah. fun. Absolutely. Maybe we can live stream that one and people can ask and we'll put it up in the podcast. So sounds good. Well, thanks, Ryan. All right. Thank you, Nick. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning into this podcast with Ryan Rose. I hope some of these tips can help you with your horses. If you'd like to leave a suggestion or ask a question to be discussed in the next podcast with Ryan, you can go to the horsemansuniversity.com slash podcast and fill out the suggestion form, or you can reach out to either us via Facebook or email. If you'd like to learn more about Ryan's upcoming Colt Start course, you can reach out to him directly either on Facebook or at ryan at rosehorsemanship.com. Thanks for listening.